Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. Okay, this is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to interview our special guest today, my good friend, Jacob Hollister. Jacob Hollister has been an NFL tight end for the past six seasons. After graduating from the University of Wyoming, where he was the primary target for quarterback Josh Allen, he was signed by the Patriots, where he played for two years, reaching the Super Bowl both times and even winning a Super Bowl ring one of those years. He then played two years with the Seattle Seahawks, where he caught many touchdown passes from Russell Wilson, followed by a year with the Jaguars and this most recent season with the Raiders. Hollister is driven by his faith and the no-quit mentality that God has instilled in both his twin brother, an NFL receiver, Cody Hollister, and him from a very young age. And he prefers to lead by example to earn the respect of those around him. Outside of football, he enjoys anything outdoors, along with playing guitar and writing songs, and has a passion for helping people be better in all aspects of life. His ultimate desire and what inspires him most is to be a great man in the eyes of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Besides having an amazing twin brother, Hollister also has three beautiful sisters as well. Jacob, welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast. Thanks for having me, brother. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to have you. And I've shared with our listeners just a brief introduction, but please share a little more about your background and how you came to be an NFL tight end. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm actually sitting in Bend, Oregon right now where it's snowing. It's a little bit different than Nashville. Yeah, it's about 81 degrees and sunny here today. <laughs> I swear, right when I left, it actually got so hot there, so I'm jealous. But um, <laughs> yeah, I grew up in, in Bend, Oregon. I was born in Tiger, Portland area. Like you said, I have a twin brother who's my best friend. I have three beautiful sisters who have just been so helpful for me in so many ways when it comes to understanding people and women in, in my whole life. My parents are absolutely incredible. I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of parents just through divorce and stuff like that which has been honestly just such a huge blessing at the end of the day, because I have an amazing stepdad, Matt, my father, Evan, and then my mom, Jennifer, and my stepmom, Kathy. And so I've just been able to have so many different perspectives growing up that a lot of people don't get to experience. And I'm really thankful for it. So yeah, when it comes to growing up in Bend, you know, my dad was the type that he wanted us to be passionate about something. And he didn't really care what that was, but he wanted us to pick a passion and, and really pursue it. And so I remember when he gave me my first Brett Favre jersey when I was probably six years old and gave my brother, I think it was a Danian Tomlinson jersey at the time. And from that moment on, it was really when we were like, me and my brother looked at each other and were like, we want to play football in the NFL. So from that moment on, my dad said, yeah, I'm going to do whatever it takes to, to help you accomplish it. So he was so incredible at always spending that time. Like he was successful in real estate and many other business ventures. But he always took the time to, to spend with us, you know, in the backyard playing and training and pushing us every single day. There's a butte here called Pilot Butte. Me and my brother probably ran up that butte thousands of times. My dad taking us up there sometimes when we're crying and just wheezing because he's pushing us so hard. And, and I'm so thankful for it now. But we were always passionate about sports in general. So we grew up 
we were late bloomers, super late bloomers. So we were pretty tiny kids up until midway through high school, actually. So my dad was almost going to have that conversation with us. Like, I might need to think about switching positions, go to cornerback or safety or something. But thankfully, we grew. He was crossing his fingers and, and we eventually grew into who we are today. And But yeah, through high school, we were always good football players. Thankfully, you know, God blessed us with the skill. And we also just put a ton of work in. When I say we, me and my brother, Cody. And I played quarterback my whole life. And so having my brother as a receiver was something that was a blessing because we're out working, you know, every day, you know, after practice, before practice, whatever it was. And so we were fortunate enough to win the state championship my senior year. My favorite football memory probably is, is winning that state championship. The purest form of football and competition is high school sports because there's no money involved. You have guys that are out there just for the love of the game. Not to say that the love of the game diminishes as you get older, but it's just, you know, there's contracts involved. There's people's livelihood involved. And in high school, it's just like, that's all that you're thinking about is just after school, you're going to play football and that's all that matters. And so we won that state championship ring. We got it done. And that was an incredible memory. Me and Cody had great years, but we didn't have any scholarship offers at that point. So we had one D2 offer and we were surprised and we're sitting there like, God, why don't we have any offers? We won state. I was player of the year that year in the whole state. And I'm like, man, what is going on? Like, I would think that I'd have a bunch of offers and we just didn't. We got to the point where we're walking on to Nevada was our best choice at the time, or at least what we thought would be the best choice. And I swear my dad is a prophet in so many ways because, you know, he said so many things as we were kids and spoke life into us to, to things that are really coming true today. And, and that's just a testament to him just praying so diligently for us. So I've learned from him in that. He told us, you guys go to Nevada, you know, put a year in and just get stronger because we were tiny little scrawny, about 180 pounds. And I was going to ask you that. I mean, I know you're 6'4", what, 225, 235 now. What were you then? Your senior year in high school, your state champ and all this. It is hard knowing what a great player you both are and, and both in the NFL today. Like, it's hard to believe you didn't get an offer out of high school. What was your height and weight then? Man, I was probably 6'2", 185. I was pretty tight. And we kept growing. We kept getting taller, you know, through college, which is crazy. So when my dad said that we were late bloomers, he really wasn't, you know, messing around. He always told us you guys would be late bloomers. And I'm like, yeah, sure, dad. I mean, <laughs> but I didn't even have facial hair until probably midway through college. And so we were really late bloomers. So wow. I'm really thankful to my grandpa on my mom's side who uh, had the height there. So he blessed us with that. So you walked on at University of Nevada, just walked on both of you. Yeah. So we both walked on. And we just went into it blind. We didn't take a visit there or anything. We're just like, this is going to be our best opportunity. So we get there. I'm the seventh string quarterback. They're telling me to purposely throw interceptions. Like that was my job, you know, at practice was just to throw. So I was the scout team quarterback. And then, you know, my brother was actually playing pretty well. But we just got to the point there where we just couldn't afford it anymore. I remember the first night we were there, actually. We just showed up and we're like, okay, well, we need to get food. I don't know if our food cards are set up, whatever. And I didn't have any money in my account. My brother was really good at saving money. So we had some money in his account. I remember he ordered us as Domino's. And that was our dinner the first night. So we grinded it out, man. We couldn't afford it after the one semester that we were there. And we decided we had to transfer. So that's when we went to junior college where they could offer us scholarships in Arizona. So you go to a junior college your second year. 
and you're still a quarterback there? Or when did you make that shift to tight end? You're still a quarterback, okay? Yeah, so I was still a quarterback going to Arizona Western. So they offered me as a quarterback. Me and Cody show up, went through that process, went through spring ball. And at the end of spring ball, my coach came over to me and said, I think you should try to take some reps at receiver and, and tight end and just see how you like it. And so I started doing that just kind of for fun. And then he brought me in after spring ball and said, I want you to switch to tight end. That's really the only way we'll keep you on scholarship. After I called my dad and I broke the news to him, I felt confident about it because I was thinking my dad would be like, no, you're a quarterback. You're going to stay a quarterback. And he just told me in that moment, he's like, I always thought that you'd switch to tight end actually. So that sounds perfect. So that's what gave me the confidence to really move into that. Wow. So it sounds like your dad had a big influence on you, just his belief in both of you from an early age and instilling that mindset in you and the positivity and the vision, really the vision, I think for that part of your life anyway. Yeah. And, and even the counsel and encouragement when you were at some big decisions that you had to make in your early career there in college. That's super cool. So you go there and they transition you to tight end. That's when you transition to tight end your second year of college. And you were on scholarship at a community college. Am I understanding that right? Right. So in Arizona at the time, they could offer you scholarships. So that's actually the only reason we went because we typed in best football junior colleges in the country and Arizona Western popped up. So we emailed them. They said, yeah, we'd love to have you because we sent our, our tape over. And we knew that they offered scholarships. So they offered the scholarship and we couldn't turn it down. Because at that point, we already piled some debt up at Nevada and we just couldn't afford it. So we were like, we need to get somewhere where they're going to pay for our school and then just go from there. Right. That makes sense. So hopefully we'll get this podcast episode out to a lot of people and we'll just keep building their football program for them, Jacob. <laughs> yeah. So continue on. So you play your second season there and then what happened? Yeah. So we technically used our first year of eligibility there. And so midway through the year, you know, Cody's having a great year at, at receiver. So he's killing it. I just switched to tight end. I'm, I'm very raw at the position. I mean, I remember a coach coming out from, where was it? Bowling Green. He had me and Cody come out and, and step on the scale. You know, they come and test your height. And I get on the scale and I'm like 210 pounds. <laughs> and he's like, the coach just said, yeah, that's not going to work for us, man. So, and so at that point, it motivated me, but at the same time, just knowing that somebody didn't see the potential in you, but I was so used to that in high school. Everybody told me and Cody, a lot of coaches said they'll be good D3 players. And so that, you know, just continued to motivate us because we knew what our potential was. Like you were saying, because my dad just instilled that in us where it's like, you guys are going to be professional football players. And we never doubted that. Jacob, I just want to stop right there for just a minute because I love this part of the story. I mean, you had so many reasons and obstacles. I mean, everyone can look at you both now and say, hey, NFL player, you know, have had a lot of success and you're mm. living the dream basically that so many would aspire to do. And yet they wouldn't know unless they knew your story and some of the things you're sharing, all you've been through, but so many obstacles winning the state championship, not even getting an offer, a full ride offer to a D1 school like you would expect or hope. And then even then challenge after challenge. And I love your story because it's kind of the heartbeat of this podcast is life is hard. Mm -hmm. Succeed anyway. It's my way of saying the way you say no quit. Definitely. I think there's so much here in your story that can encourage so many people, no matter what their dream is. You know, most people listing their dreams not to play in the NFL, but everybody has a dream. Everybody has something that was placed in their heart, you know, by the Lord, by somebody instilled it in them, maybe a parent or, or whatever, something that they're running after and they're going to hit walls and they're going to hit challenges. So continue on. And I love what you said there, because honestly, one thing that I miss 
but I've become addicted to the grind and the tough times that I know make me stronger and almost the pain. Like I get addicted to the pain because I know it makes me stronger. And so it's like, I, I look back on the times at Arizona Western and me and Cody walk into the gym at, at 8 PM and we're the only ones in there and, and we're working out and we go run routes, you know, right after that under the lights. I miss those times when you were just grinding just to get there. And the work never stops, but at the same time, it's just a different world. And so once you're out of it and you push to get through that, that grind, I feel like you always miss it. Yeah. But yeah, so beyond that, I received an offer, thankfully, from Wyoming, just as an athlete, that, you know, they were taking a chance on me and, and they, they offered my brother. And so we're thinking, heck yeah, like we're going to Wyoming together. This is going to be amazing. And then it was like a week later and Arkansas came out to see Cody. And they ended up offering him. Coach Bielema came out and offered him. So at that point, you know, my brother and I were so close. Like, so he had to make a tough decision. And I kind of had to encourage him in that. You can't turn down the SEC school. And so at that point, we split up. I went out to Wyoming just on a whim. I didn't take a visit or anything. I just, I'm driving from Bend, Oregon to Laramie, Wyoming, just uh, seeing about two people on the way. Right. And that was really about it. And that's where the journey started in college was showing up with Coach Bowl, who was, it was his first year there as well, and learning how to play the position, you know, at tight end. I love it. When did Josh Allen come along there? Was that your first year there or your second year there? So he showed up my second year there. And I actually posted him when he came in because he was a junior college guy too. So he showed up. First thing he did was, was show his highlight tapes to me. And it was just eye popping. Like, I knew right away he was going to be so talented. And I also loved his confidence, you know. It wasn't like this arrogance. It was just he knew how good he was. And so I was really excited that we got him. It makes no sense that we got him because he was so talented. I mean, so many schools just missed out on him. But I'm thankful for him and, and his friendship, too. Yeah, that's super cool. So you guys, I'm sure, built a great friendship. You got to play one year together or two? Actually, two. Because his first year playing, he broke his collarbones. So he was out. And then the second year was my senior year. Okay. And then he stayed one more after I left. So you did three years at Wyoming and then you signed with the Patriots. Yeah. Or you went to the Super Bowls two years in a row. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I had pretty good stats, you know, in, in college. I was really blessed to have a, a really good senior year. So I'm thinking, especially after my pro day, I was thinking I'll definitely get drafted, you know, in the sixth or seventh round. And I'm having teams tell me that. And so I'm feeling pretty confident about it. And then draft day comes around, you know, the third day of the draft and just don't hear my name, you know, over and over and over. And, and then I have these teams calling me and thinking they're talking to me, you know, hey, if this draft ends, we'd love to have you as a free agent and stuff like that. And I didn't expect this to happen, but I'm sitting there with my brother and my brother was talking to the Patriots and they wanted him to sign with them. It was like in the sixth round and, and my brother had a better idea. He wasn't going to get drafted just because he had some injuries. So he decided, OK, I'm going to sign with you guys right after the draft. And so he was already locked in with the Patriots. And then right when the draft ended, I had a few teams calling me, trying to get me to sign there as an undrafted guy. And I'm sitting there and there's five teams, so much running through my head. And I just pray to God, like, God, please just open a door right now. It's too obvious, you know, not to walk through. And then the Patriots called the next, I didn't talk to them at all. And so they called probably a minute or two later and they gave me the best offer by far. I mean, when it comes to guaranteed money, being an undrafted guy. So at that point, I locked it in. Me and my brother are just giving the biggest hug to each other and just freaking out. And so that's how we ended up going to the Patriots together, which we never in a million years would have thought would have happened. Right. So that was just God showing off, honestly. 
I think it's so cool how you guys are like best friends. Well, I keep wanting to say identical, look like identical twins. Yeah. And played together in high school. I mean, the one, two quarterback to wide receiver. And then you go to, you know, Reno together, walk on red shirt, go to the community college or junior college, whatever together. Right. And then split and then have to split at the university level and then come back again for two years at the Patriots and went to Super Bowl together. I mean, that's a pretty cool story. But again, the obstacles and the ups and the downs and the challenges. I mean, what that must have felt like, again, to think. I didn't get drafted. I mean, what in the world, you know? And then boom, get the call from the Patriots. I think it's super cool. I do have to ask you though, what would you say so far has been kind of a highlight of your career playing there for the Patriots with Brady and team or at the Seahawks with Russell Wilson and everyone else there? Does one stand out more, one team or one season or one era for you stand out more to you than another at this point in time? There were such different experiences. My time with the Patriots, the best thing for me there was just learning. You know, I didn't play a ton on offense. You know, I was really just a special teams guy. Mm. But I learned so much. Like I had guys, like you said, Tom, I had Gronk, I had Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, obviously Belichick. You know, these guys that I'm learning from that, you know, guys would pay a ton of money just to sit in the same room with and and learn from for a bit. And so when it comes to starting my career, not only from a football standpoint, but just from a discipline standpoint and learning how to really work, because I thought I knew how to work before I got to the league. And then you get there and you're like, this is a full-time deal, you know? Right. And so I learned a lot from Tom in that aspect, just when it comes to earning respect from your teammates. He told us as rookies, you walked in a room and I'm, I'm expecting him to tell us to get it together and we got to figure this thing out. And he really walked in the room and he said, guys, the first thing I do every single day at practice, my number one goal is to earn your guys' respect. And we're sitting there as rookies and I'm like, this is Tom Brady. Like he wants to earn our respect. And that really was eye-opening to me. You know, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to earn my teammates' respect every day. I love it. Is there anything that stands out in particular to your two years with the Seahawks out of curiosity? Yeah, well, I had my most successful two years so far in Seattle. That was a different experience for me in the way just that I feel like, you know, we talk about these light bulb moments and I feel like I had that in Seattle when it was like I was kind of hanging around, you know, the first couple of years and I knew that I had it in me. But then to get an opportunity to play a lot of snaps in, in Seattle and just be surrounded by a great group of guys, a great coaching staff that's so encouraging And then to score, you know, my first game winner there was just like, it was that moment where I'm like, okay, God, I belong to be here. And I'm just thankful to be here. And as I'm getting lifted up and just thanking the Lord, and and I'm just like, all right, God, you got me here, you know? So I I had a few of those moments in Seattle on the field, which made it, you know, very special. I got to ask you, since I have the opportunity, Pete Carroll, he is one of Nicole and my favorite coaches from a distance. Obviously, we've never met him in person, but he just seems so positive, intense, that is super positive and encouraging. How would you describe it? I'm just curious. Are we reading him right? You're reading him exactly right. I feel like exactly what you get and you see on the outside is what you get in the locker room. Yeah. I'm so thankful for Pete because he's going to make you feel good about yourself, whether you play good or bad. And he's going to encourage you through it. And he's big on mental health and strength. And he really believes in the concept of letting everybody be themselves and be genuinely who they are in the building. And I think that that really translates to the field because guys feel comfortable in their skin. When you watch the Seahawks play, you're watching guys that are playing really free and loose. And that's 
Coach Carroll's whole philosophy is like, don't be uptight. The standard's the same, whether you're raised up a thousand feet or you're standing here on the ground. It's just a different platform. And so I'm really thankful for the perspective that he brought in and just his positivity and energy. It's unmatched for sure. I love it. Obviously, you've had a lot of success and a no quit person like you is always looking for, hey, what's next season bring and where are we heading next? But you have had a ton of success already. But what would you say has been one of the keys to your success? I think that the more that I've learned to lean into uncomfortability, I think has been such a key to not only my success on the field, but my relationships, you know, outside of football. I even think about when you're going in the building and you're walking by a coach or whatever it is, and it, it's so easy to get in that mindset where you just want to walk past and not say a word. And you know the things that you should do that you don't want to do. And it's stepping into those conversations and stepping into the things, whether it's working out and you don't want to do another rep and you're really taking ownership of your mind, being like, no, we're going to do this, even though you don't want to do this. You know, I'm going to make you do this. And that applies to so many areas in my life. When you catch yourself slipping into that moment of, uncomfortability and wanting to push away from it and really just leaning into it. That is good, Jacob. I love it. Uncomfortability, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, maybe said another way is what I think I'm hearing. And like you're saying, doing what you know you should be doing, not what you feel like you should be doing. And you've been a great example of that. I have no question that has been a key to your success among many other things. What would you say if I asked you was one or more of the bigger challenges that you faced to this point in your life, personally, professionally, however? Yeah, so there's plenty personally. Just what comes to mind with football specific is when I actually first got traded to Seattle, which was going into my third year. So I got traded there within two hours, I'm gone. And the most interesting part about it is I was actually dealing with a slip disc in my back that nobody knew about because my second year at the Patriots, I was injured a lot. And so going into my third year, I knew where I stood, where it's like, I can't be the injured guy. You don't want to be that guy. And so I knew at that point, you know, there's certain injuries that you can fight through and there's certain ones that you just can't. And so like a hamstring, for example, which is what I was dealing with that whole year, you can't fight through that because your body physically won't let you. And so I had this slip disc showing up to Seattle where I know that they just traded for me. They don't want a guy showing up who's hurt. And so I show up, I fight through the physical just to pass the physical and I can barely bend over. I mean, I could barely put my neck down like this just because of the nerve pain. And I remember just barely bending over and I told the doctor, I was just like, yeah, I'm just tight, you know, from the flight. Which was true, which was true. Which was true, yeah. No, exactly. I just got off that flight. And so it was true. But that first, you know, going through OTAs, that first couple of months, in Seattle, I'd get on my knees in the morning and pray to God, like, just give me enough strength for today. If you give me enough strength physically to get through today, then I'll keep going without saying something and without stop practicing and all that. And so he'd give me just enough strength because we'd have practice and we'd have a day off. And then that continued on. And so I'd finish practice and I'd drive home, barely hobbling. I'd just hobble into my sketchy little hotel and I'd lay in my bed for the rest of the day and the following day. And I'd order food and I'd just lay there for close to 48 hours and then I'd get up and do it again. And that was literally two months of doing that, that God just sustained me daily. And it, it was just enough to get through it. And eventually I got healthy that summer, which was also miraculous and ended up having my best season yet that fall. Just for our listeners, so OTA, I don't know what it stands for, but it's your spring training. 
Spring training, yeah. So it's basically our spring practices. And that's a couple month period of time. Yeah. You grinded that out for those two months in that kind of pain. And then you had the summer off from the team for how long are you off? And I know you're still training. Yeah, yeah. So you have a, a month and a half off after that period. And so I was actually still dealing with it. And I'm thinking like, how am I going to go through this season like this? And I swear, I was dealing with it up until fall camp. So the day that I reported, I'm feeling decent. But I'm like, this is definitely going to bug me. It's it's a serious thing. I'm telling you, I could barely lift my left leg. Like I was trying to do the exercises and I just couldn't do it. And I showed up and I went to go warm up and run that first day on the practice field. It's like it didn't exist anymore. Wow. It's crazy. It was only God. That's the only way to explain it. Because for anybody who's dealt with that, like you know what I'm talking about. It's pain that you can't describe. Like everything hurts until your back hurts. And then you're like, all right, that's real pain. And Right. And God just healed me in that moment. It was, it was long. How amazing. What did you mean the other day when you shared with me that one of the challenges you've been through is gaining success? I think that might be an interesting one for our listeners to hear why your perspective on that briefly before we move on to some other questions I have for you. Yeah. My sisters always say, I'm so proud of the man that you have become and staying the man that I know you are through the success, you know, in the world's eyes of success. Right. And definitely, you know, as I've gained the success in the world's eyes, it's been a constant temptation and challenge not to fall to what comes with that when it comes to women, money, spending that money and things that I'm thankful that a lot of things that I'm not interested in. When you get thrown into something and you're so overstimulated by all of a sudden becoming the top 1%, right? it's definitely something that you've never dealt with before. And so, you know, when those followers start rushing in on Instagram the second that you get signed, if your heart posture is not in the right place, it can just eat you up for sure. I could only imagine what that would be like and the challenges that come with it. Another reason both you and Cody have been such an encouragement to Nicole and I is seeing you in that position. You say top 1% or whatever it is, top point zero 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 one percent when you think about how many peewee football players dream of playing in the NFL period, let alone when in a Super Bowl ring and playing for extended period of time already, but that you guys staying grounded and knowing who your hope and your strength and where your life is rooted. And that's in Jesus Christ has been a big encouragement to both of us just seeing you guys walk that out. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would say, like thinking about some of these challenges that you've walked through, and I know there's been others personally, that you think could have better prepared you to walk through them had you known then what you know now? My perspective has changed so much with how I approach those challenges now. I used to sit there and pray, you know, the second that I entered a challenge or a tough time, and it was like, I prayed right away. Like, God, just take me out of this. Like, I just, I don't want to be in this. This hurts. This is uncomfortable. Like, please take me out of it. And now my perspective has changed so much knowing that the world is dark in a lot of ways and that there's sin in the world. And so rather than feeling sorry for myself and sitting in those moments, just asking to get out of it, it's just thanking God in those moments. Thank you for being with me in the fire. And I'm okay with being in this fire as long as you're here with me. And However long you want me to be in here and refine me in this, that's okay. And, I'm, and I'll sit here and I'll run through it for you. But just thank you for being here with me. I love it, Jacob. I love that heart and that mindset. What would you say if I asked you, are you glad you've gone through those various challenges in your life? How would you mm -hmm. respond to that? I'm so glad. It's kind of like I was saying earlier. I feel like I really am, you know, addicted to the grind and the, and the pain of certain things, because I know the strength that it brings. 
And that's why I love cold tubs now. It's like, I love getting in the cold tub because it's painful and getting to a peaceful state within that, just knowing that I'm preparing myself for having a, a higher threshold for pain. So yeah, I rock my scars proudly. I'm really proud of everything that I've gone through, all the struggles that I've had in my life because it's brought me to where I'm at today and I wouldn't change it for the world. Is there any advice that you'd give to others? If someone says, what's the key to going through adversity or a challenge, call it whatever you want to call it, and coming out the other side succeeding, you know, what advice would you give to them if, if they asked you, what would you recommend they do? Maybe they're in the middle of a challenge right now. What advice would you give them? I just say, don't quit. It's really as simple as that, where sometimes you don't have to be the most successful at what you're doing in that moment. But as long as you're holding on longer than the other person, then you will be successful. And there's been so many instances in me and Cody's career, like in junior college, we weren't the most talented guys in, in junior college. There was guys coming from Miami, Florida, these guys who were so talented. But that year, me and Cody were the only ones who, who got out and played D1 football, you know, for a number of reasons. But a big reason for that is we knew that we could take more pain and we could hold on longer than everybody else. I love it. So just keep on, no quit, keep on going. I think it was Winston Churchill that said, if you're walking through hell, just keep on going. Don't quit. That's right. Do you have a favorite success quote that you'd be willing to share? Yeah, one of my, uh, it was actually a recent quote. It, it constantly changes for me, but my buddy Nate Subfeld, who plays in the league as well, he actually, he told me this quote the other day that says, it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And that just spoke to me in so many ways. And you just feeling like, you know, you need to prepare to be successful. And if you're prepared, you're not going to be nervous for the war because you know that those hard times and the war is coming. And so when that does come and you feel prepared, then it, it really just doesn't phase you. I love that, Jacob. And I hope that if nothing else, I know we get messages from listeners all the time about takeaways and encouragement they're getting from this podcast. If nothing else, I hope that everyone realizes from this podcast that everyone, the most successful people on the planet all have challenges mm -hmm. and all of them have succeeded in spite of them and that it is so important to be prepared for them and not be caught off guard by challenges. You know, I think that's a big key to winning is knowing, I know this, I know I'm 50 years old, Lord willing, if I get to live another however many years, I'm going to face other challenges and you will too. And everyone listening to this episode will as well. So it fits perfectly with that quote, I'd rather be a warrior in the garden than a gardener in a war. Absolutely. What would you say is one habit that's helped you become successful? So actually growing up, it started at a young age. My dad had me and my brother do 300 push-ups and sit-ups most days of the week. I'm not suggesting for <laughs> parents to do that for their kids. We really wanted to do it. And my dad actually saw this boxer that did it. And that's what encouraged him to do it for us. But it's things like that. For me, that started at a young age where I had to have discipline to do that. And my dad was the one that encouraged me. Having something that pushed you every day, basically a daily discipline that taught you resilience, I guess, and discipline. Definitely. I think the discipline aspect of it is the biggest part for sure. Yeah, I love it. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? The first thing that came to mind hearing this is just a lot of my advice comes from my dad. And when we were in middle school, my brother and I were always the team captains. You know, we were always good football players. So at recess, we'd go out and we'd pick our teams. And my dad would say, you know what, next time you're at recess, find the most scrawny and nerdy and least athletic looking kid. And I want you to pick him first. And I said, dad, like, are you kidding me? 
I'm going to lose the game. I need to pick one of my buddies. And he said, you might lose the game that day. You're going to have to work a lot harder, but you're going to make that kid's life. And I think that that's applied to so many areas of my life, just in the way that you realize that it's the impressions and the way that you make people feel that lasts forever. And nobody cares about a game, you know, 10 years down the road. Oh, that's so good, Jacob. So good. Is there one book that you'd recommend to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway audience? We were just talking about discipline. I think that one that I read recently was Discipline is Destiny. And that's a book that really had a big impact on me within this last year. I'm naturally a pretty sporadic and spontaneous person. And I've realized that having discipline daily is something that has really helped me succeed, not only in football, but just emotionally and in my relationships. Absolutely. A couple last questions for you before we wrap it up. This has been amazing. I'm curious to ask, what would you say is your Jacob Hollister's definition of success? You ever thought about that? Like, how would you define success to you? Yeah. Which is obviously something that I think has changed along the road for me. And now I can sit here today and say, I think that success for me is maximizing every single gift that God has given me and given you. So whether that's a gift to be a great father, friend, brother, for the women, a mother, sister, daughter, or at your profession, you know, whatever your profession is, knowing your gift and not comparing it to other people, but being the best at your gift and maximizing each and every gift. I think that I could sit on my deathbed at the end of the day and be happy with that and feel successful in God's eyes. So good. So good. Your definition and mine are so similar. What would you say excites you about the future when you think about the future? Anything, something you're doing, something you're looking forward to, or just in general? I'm definitely excited to see, you know, with football uh, and just maximizing my abilities there within this next couple of years and just keep pushing myself and see what happens. And I'm also just so excited with some of these passions that have been brought to life within this last year, year and a half. I'm just really passionate about helping people maximize their abilities. And like we're talking about their gifts and realizing those gifts because they get excited about it. And a lot of people didn't have as much encouragement as I had as a kid and parents, you know, my mom was so good at too, and my stepdad and, and these people that believe in you so much. And I want to be that person for other people and help push them. And so me and Cody are going to start this no quit brand. It's going to start just as an apparel company, but eventually we'd love to get into the retreat space, have retreats you know, that starts with men and really just getting us back to the basics of how we were created to be as leaders, as fathers, as brothers. Not that I know as a father yet, but maybe I could ask you about it. <laughs> anytime, anytime. So I'm passionate about it. Yeah. I just, I'm excited to, to work with people and just love people well. I love it. And that really is what drives me, Jacob, especially now these last few years is really wanting to make an impact in people's lives and using various platforms and channels like the retreats. You know, we, we were talking earlier about the retreat coming up in a couple of weeks. Hopefully you'll, you'll be able to join us there. And I hope so. Anyway, I just, I love that your heart's desire to impact people and see them maximize their gifts, their talents, and pour into them like your father and many other people I'm sure have poured into you and, and pay it forward in that way. How, how cool is that? By the way, for our listeners, Jacob has referenced his twin brother, Cody, a few times, and that was episode eight, if anybody wants to go back and listen to Cody's story, which is different with a lot of similarities to Jacob's story, obviously. But 
Jacob, thank you so much. How can people connect with you, follow along on your journey? Maybe social media channels are the best way for people to follow along. What would that be? Yeah, I think the best way is just Instagram. I'm on there the most. Uh, it's just Jacob Hollister is my username. And then Twitter, I'm on Twitter, just at Hollister underscore Jacob. So that's that's going to be the two biggest platforms that I'm on the most. Got it. Okay, so we'll put those in the show notes below for anybody that wants to access those. Jacob, I will leave it with you to give us any closing comment you may want to go out on. I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but the way that I can encourage anybody most of us are going through something right now, whether it's losing a loved one, whether you just got fired, whether you're struggling to put food on the table, you know, whatever it is, and just don't quit. Just hang on a little bit longer and it will get better, I promise. And usually I've found that when I am going through those tough times, the morning is usually the hardest because you wake up and all the emotions, you know, rush through your head and what you have to do and all the issues in the world. But just look outside and you see that sunrise and the sun will rise the same way that you did and keep going. Just don't quit. Jacob, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be here with us and share your story, your experience and your wisdom with our Life's Hard Succeed Anyway listeners. Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening. I hope you got a ton of value from this episode. And as a token of appreciation for enjoying the show, if you don't mind leaving a five-star rating as well as a genuine review, whether it's just a sentence or a paragraph, that's up to you. I would like to show my gratitude to you by sending you a free sample of our all-organic 22-amino acid meal replacement protein shake. We'll even cover the shipping cost. I drink this every day and love it. For the blood sugar control, fat burning, natural energy, and strength building it's provided me over the past 22 years now. And I'm confident that you will love it too. When leaving a review, simply take a screenshot of your review and send it over to me on my Instagram account, at Alan B. Blaine, found in the show notes below. And be sure to include your mailing address so that we can get this shipped out to you right away. Thank you, and we'll see you on the next episode. <music> 